On the far left is Pastor Mike, that I don't think you need any introduction, but you can give him a hand because he's absolutely amazing. Besides being a really great pastor, what I love about Mike and Bianca is that they are students of marriage. So they spend a lot of time studying what a good marriage looks like. Uh, Mike's always reading up on stuff, and I, I, I assume you're implementing it. So, um, but I really, I really do admire that about them, and I know they ha that Mike has a lot to say on the subject. We're looking forward to that. Then we have Kun, who is our children, him and his wife, our children's church pastors. Yeah, give him a hand. I feel like Kun and Gina have one of the funnest marriages I know. Uh, they always, you know, when I speak to them, they've always just done something spectacular and are about to do something spectacular, and they're always laughing and joking with each other, and I really, really enjoy that about their marriage. Besides being outstanding children's church pastors, pastors they are outstanding moms and mom and dad and spouses to one another. And then we have Martin. Yay! Everyone can give him a hand. Martin is the only single member of our team. We did note how well he is dressed today. We did note that. We, we were suggesting perhaps that we put his number up on the screen, but he, he said he didn't really want to go that far. But as we said last week, he is an author, speaker, singer. What else are you? Preacher. <laughs> um, an all-round great... He's, you're actually... A, you're actually an, uh, an attorney by trade, a lawyer, attorney. Okay, all of those. I don't know if there's a difference, but, you, but he's, he's a lawyer. Okay, great. <laughs> um, and then we have, da da da, drum roll, please. <laughs> Pastor Andrew Gosman, who I, I have a very unbiased opinion about, but I feel like he is the best man in the world. I'm, ladies here, I'm so sorry that you, there are some other good men about, but. First best is taken. I'm so sorry. I'm just so sorry. <laughs> and I feel like, you know what, I've, I've, I don't always know that I've been the easiest person to be married to, but Andrew is still married to me and still in love with me and still being an outstanding husband. So I think that's a great testimony. <laughs> um, I'm going to just go back quickly. I wanted to just share the scripture before we begin. It's from Isaiah 32, 1 and 2, and it says this. It's talking about a time when Jesus will rule the nations. And it says, see, a king will reign in righteousness and rulers will rule with justice. Each man will be a shelter from the wind and a refuge from the storm like streams of water in the desert and the shadow of a great rock in a thirsty land. And when I read that, it made me just think, oh, man, I was so great. It just made me feel, you know, that, that feeling when you, you're around a strong, healthy, wholesome man. Just like everything's in its place. You're safe. And I just really do want to honor the men in this, in this family, in this church family, who have pursued godliness. Because I feel like you, you are creating those kind of environments where people are safe, where um, things get done, where uh, the world is as it should be. I feel like God's design for family is so perfect. He placed the right gifts, the right um, chemical makeup in both men and women so that we ideally complement one another and we create environments that are spectacular. 
We are very, very committed to the concept of family in this church because we believe that family, the, the family unit creates an environment where children can grow up strong, whole, with the right kind of foundation, and they can launch into life confident, um, sure of their identity, and able to not spend their mind power on how am I going to cope with that crazy family environment, but they're spending their mind power on how can I change the world. And so we want to create this kind of environment where people are being launched from a safe and secure place that's in God's order. Amen. There was a, a famous man called uh, George Bernard Shaw. He claimed to be a follower of Jesus, and much of his teaching did follow that line. He started out an atheist and became a follower of Jesus, but he, he did very vehemently distance himself from all organized religion, which may give you an indication of what organized religion was like in his day. But he made this statement which I really like. He said, a happy family is but an earlier heaven. And I do feel like that is true. It's like when the family's in order, it creates a taste of heaven here on earth. It creates an environment where God's personality and God's strength and God's um, compassion is shown to the world. Amen. Gives us a good reason to make sure our families are working. So men, are you ready? I'm going to pray, Lord Jesus, would you help these men to answer these questions well? Would you help me to ask them well, and would you help our hearts to hear the answers well? In Jesus' name, amen and amen. So, Pastor Mike, I'm going to start with you right on the end there. And my first question to all of you, I'm going to give you all a chance to answer, is what do you understand by man being the head of the home? The Bible is very clear in a number of places that the man is, the, is meant to be the head of the home. What do you understand by that? Thank you. Uh, the temptation to make a joke is very high, but uh, that for me just means leadership. Um, it means that the man has the responsibility to, to lead his wife, to lead the home. And I think oftentimes, you know, you hear in circles that being questioned and um, when you look at the contrast of Ephesians 5, the way Paul puts it, the contrast is between a man and a woman as Christ is with the church. And so I think denying the man that position of headship over the home is almost the same as denying Christ's position with regards to the church. Uh, and so it's, it's important that, 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 we are, that we are given that space. More like Christ. Christ is Lord regardless of whether we call him Lord or not. But he becomes Lord in our lives when we invite him to come and exercise his authority in our lives. And I think we men are, we have been established as such by God. But we cannot be that to our wives unless they invite us in, this, in that space for us to be able to lead. And I think also for us as men, in order for us to lead the way that God wants us to lead, we have to be committed pursuers of Jesus for us to discover how he relates to the church so that we can relate to our wives the way that he wants us to. Amen. So great, Mike. So great. I, 
Mike, it's a really good point, but I agree. Jokes are coming to my mind, and I just <laughs> I don't know what to do with them. But I'm going to invite my husband to be the lead in dishwashing from now on. It's, I just, I'm making I'm making space for that. I'm just making space, making space, <laughs> and in every other area, and in every other area. Great. Washing the cars, picking up doggy doos. <laughs> Kun. Thank you. Right, I was hoping Taps was still here because, man, just now he was like, ooh. <laughs> so really as, uh, as leadership, um, as the way I see it, and um, as I said earlier, um, having not necessarily had the greatest example of leadership in family as growing up as a child, um, the, the picture of submission and having two generals um, of same rank, same, same order, but with a common vision and a common end goal in war is just such a beautiful picture for me in marriage. And uh, as, as we talk about um, man having, uh, you know, the ability to, to lead from the front, and, but in co-leading with Gina in saying, gee, this is, you know, this is where we should be going. Essentially, this is, uh, we've, I didn't decide this. We've bought into this as a family. This is what we've decided, and we've been working on it for 15, 16 years. This is where we're heading. And it's making that sort of co-decision, co-based um, leadership role for me is, is that picture right there. So that submission picture is something that I've really developed um, over a couple of years um, in walking with the Lord. And it's not a lording over her, but I feel that we have equal ability to lead our families in certain ways. But that I have the ability to say at some time, this is our vision, and in my responsibility to say, this is where we're going. Let's keep that in mind. Let's keep focused on where we're going. So great. Thank you, Kun. Martin. Yeah, yeah we can give Kun a hand. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I'd just like to start by mentioning, the, you know, about what actually male headship is not. It doesn't mean that the man is meant to, is a superior, you know, species or anything like that. You know, the Bible says that God created man in his image. Male and female, he created them. Meaning that both male and female are both equal uh, image bearers of God. So all of us carry a, you know, a dominion mandate. But the way that things are structured, is structured in the sense that God has created uh, the male to be the head for the, for, for the purpose of order more than anything. And also for me, another thing that comes into mind is that uh, I believe that as male, male as man being the head, it's, it's the issue of being uh, vision bearers. Uh, I mean, eyes are on the head. And also, I mean, there's a point that let's just like to touch on in Proverbs 31, where it's, it says, uh, uh, you know, a virtuous woman, who can find? And oftentimes, when you look at that scripture, we teach it to women, but that scripture, when you look at it properly, it's directed to men. So I think for us as vision bearers, uh, we, we are called upon to create a, an, a system whereby, you know, people can flourish. Thank you. Darling. You guys leave me anything. Hey, I grew up in a family where headship was the head tells the rest of the body what to do. And you just do it, right? So that's... Uh, uh, that's uh, Pray what, for me, what church. What I grew up with. Like, I think a lot of it has been said. I, I feel like we must recognize when it says man is the head of the wife or the family is right next to as Christ is the head of man. And in fact, Peter goes on and says that as God the Father is head of Jesus. 
And so I think that there are, you cannot just say that the man's going to be the head if the man is not fulfilling his headship responsibility under Christ properly. Uh, here's, here's the thing I've learned. I've learned that what men think they want before marriage changes a lot. And after being married a lot, you realize what you should want, right? And, and I think maybe the question is what men should want. Because there's a lot of things we think we want and we end up going, I don't want that anymore. Uh, but I want to say this. Men actually don't want a woman who's going to just tell me what to do. Men actually want to build team. And here's the thing I've learned is that women think deeply about things. Men don't always. And so if headship means that the man makes the decisions, it's going to not be a very creative home and it's going to have a lot of mistakes. So I believe headship is taking initiative. I believe headship is as Christ covers, that we cover the family. And taking initiative means we need to sort this out. Let's hear from everyone. And I think my wife's got the best idea on this one, so we're going to go with that. And so headship really is drawing on the entire body. The brain doesn't just send messages. It receives from the entire body and then makes decisions what to do. And so the, the head should be seeking God. How can I be a better head? God, my wife has thought long and hard about this. Please tell me, what do you say? You know? And so headship really means be, be worthy of the respect of that headship. You can't demand headship. And to be someone who, as the brain, receives as much information as you can from the rest of the family, from your environment, from your word, from your walk with God, so that you can make good decisions together. But it always has to be together. So great. Like I said, I'm married to him. <laughs> awesome. Darling, I'm going to start with you this time. Yay. So um, the next... Sorry. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> Keep it real. So I, um, we've, we've asked about headship, but a corollary to that really is um, that men are to love their wives as Christ loved the church, which, which perhaps is even a harder task. But what, what I, and I'm going to ask you quite practically, so um, what does it mean to love your wife? So we, so we know what love is, we have definitions of it, but practically in your home, what do you do? And what do you think should be done as a man to love your wife? Wow. Well, here's the thing. Before you get married, you're in love. And you just want to be with that person all the time. And that in love is not necessarily the practical love. That in love makes you want to just be with each other and cuddle. And, and there's got to be that element all the time. But there is a practical way of showing love to your wife. And it took me a while to learn. I, w I would say this if I had to summarize the most important one of the most important things, I think, is to find out the love language of the woman you are either pursuing or married to. Because women receive different understanding of love as men, and each person has a different love language. So Carol's love language is words of affirmation. Mine is touch, hers isn't. Mine is serving, hers isn't. So I would pack the dishwasher, or I would fix the house. I would fix her car, and I expect her to know that means I love you. She's sitting there going, you haven't said a nice thing to me today. You know, I don't feel loved. So men, I'd say this, learning the love language of the person you are going to show love to and learning to communicate it in that way is one very practical way of loving your wife. But I think when it says love your wife as Christ loves the church and gave himself up for it, that true love is giving yourself up for the benefit of your wife and your family. I believe that uh, it, David and I were talking about it in the car that, you know, Every man actually has, deep down in his heart, the desire to make his woman happy. Seriously. 
And talking to most men, it's like, I am doing well if my wife's happy. But to make your wife happy takes some investigation. It takes some learning. It takes figuring out, and you can actually ask your wife, so what makes you happy? What makes you feel loved? And learn to do the things that makes your wife feel loved. But feeling loved and creating an atmosphere of a loving home is, is really not as easy. It doesn't come naturally. And it's something men have to work at and to figure out, I want to create a, a, a family in which my wife feels not just love, but like she's the most important thing to me besides Jesus. And that has taken a bit of research for me. And I, I think I'm getting closer after well, 26, darling. seven years. Uh, make you feel loved. Re remember when your anniversary is. It's a good start. Good start. Uh, yeah. Martin. Uh, I obviously don't really have a context for this one, but from what I've seen from my parents, it's, uh, I think, one word to say, you know, pre preferring the other above yourself. So for myself, obviously, growing up in, a, you know, in, a, in, a, in an African home, there's not really that whole... They're not really big on, you know, affection, you know, showing affections and whatnot. But practically, it would look like provision. It would look like protection. You're just laying down your life for your family. And that's what I've seen with my own father. So great. Great. Yeah, give him a hand. How about you, Kun? Really, that picture of love for me is an, an absolute sacrifice um, in every way. I, I used a, an example earlier, just a, a simple example of a Friday night cricket game at work. It, this just happened in the winter game where the boys go and play a cricket game and they're like, no, nah, we got to go, you know, we, we got to win this league. And for me, chaps, I'm sorry, Friday nights don't work for my family. So it doesn't work for my, for my wife. It doesn't work for my kids. And that sacrifice as Christ, for me, that picture is an absolute sacrifice in, in every area. And I'm not saying sacrifice that um, we get to a point where, you know, there's, uh, you know, I can't go riding in the morning. You know, there's none of that. For, but for me, that picture is, is my starting point is a sacrifice to my family to ensure that we, that we love correctly. Yeah. Wonderful. Thank you, Kun. How about you? Yeah. How about you, Mike? Um, I, I feel the need to go back to the Bible, and I think it's my That's own. That's a good place yeah. to go. <laughs> Again, the contrast of love your wife as Christ loves the church. If, if I'm taught to love my wife as David loves his car, and I don't know David, I've never met him. I don't spend time with him. It's very hard for me to know how much he loves his car and how he treats his car. Yeah. And I think going back again to us pursuing Jesus more so that he can tell us how he loves the church, how he loves us so that we can learn how to love our wives. And, um, and so I have done that, and I do that in many, many ways. One of the ways that I've done that, obviously, is to learn through the brothers who have walked with God for a while, and are walking with God and have good marriages. I remember, I think early 2008, 2007, we used to have men's meetings on Tuesdays. And uh, I was the only single guy in that pastor's meeting, literally. And I was in Pastor Andrew's group. It was Ryan Kelly and some other people in the group. And the guys would share. When I say share, they would share. <laughs> and, 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 and <laughs> I feel nervous. <laughs> and and I, I was single. And, and, you know, they were very vulnerable and would pray together. I mean, I cannot tell you how much I learned from that. 
from just people who have walked with God and are walking with God and are loving their wives the way God wants them to do. And so for me, again, it's pursuing God, but pursuing God can look different in our own spheres, can be pursuing God with people who are doing that already or pursuing God, just spending more time with God and Him revealing to you how you should love your wife. So great. Thank you, Mike. Y'all give him a hand. When the ladies were up here a couple of weeks ago, it became obvious from what they were sharing that communication for a woman is a very important thing. So, men, as we want to learn from you and we want to, just as, Andrew, you said, men desire to please their wives, I think women have an innate desire to please their husbands. How can we create environments that make it easy for you to communicate? That would be my next question. I'm going to throw it open. Whoever wants to go first. But um, what kind of environments make it easy for you to share intimately and to be vulnerable? the be bold man go thank you brother <laughs> gina publicly shared a couple of weeks ago that she's not the communicator and everyone was like what the <laughs> really and um i'm the communicator in the family i i like um i want to be in a space where we we vulnerable all the time <laughs> can't, can't happen but for me I, I don't i said earlier i don't know what that ideal space is for me is i i have I want, to, I want to make sure that we create that environment. So when we're communicating, when, when the need to communicate, it's not necessarily, yeah, there, there, but, gee, we need, we need to communicate. So whether, whether it's, Mike uses the example of a, during a football match, inappropriate, I agree. But I, I want to create that space. So I want to be the communicator. I, it's, it's again, it's a, it's a role that I've taken in the family that I feel that's important, that, that, you know, that, Gina's, that Gina feels comfortable with me taking the lead in, and I want to create that space. So I'm, I'm a little bit different. I want to talk. I want to, again, if it's not appropriate, if the timing's not appropriate, we'll get there. But I want to I wanna create that space. And it's important for me. I've, we've identified that area, so I'm going to go there constantly. So I, I want to just jump off that because I think you raised something really great. Um, can you, you, in essence, you're saying that you want to, as the head of the home, take the lead in communication. So you, want, you actually want to not necessarily wait for the right environments, but you, you want to be the initiator of that. Tell us a few things that you do that create environments that initiate communication. I tend to, to my own detriment, when... I'll, I'll, you know, use an example. When if if I feel Gina's in a space where she's possibly on her phone too much, I'm not going to hang on and you know, oh, think about it, or maybe we talk about it tomorrow. I verbalize that immediately. We won't necessarily talk about it there and then, but say, look, we need to get we we've I'm addressing something. We need to talk about it. But but in 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 15, 16 years of marriage now. Gina's, Gina's got the ability to say, oh, I didn't realize that, which, which is so great about it, and then taking a step back, and that it creates an environment for me. So again, that communication is two-way. So if she was, if she was, ha, oh, you know, this is, you can't be saying that about me, that wouldn't create that environment. But we've got the ability to be in a marriage where we've got context around, um, okay, so this concerns you. Okay, so I'm going to take a step back, and we, that creates a space. So I feel that she, in fact, creates that space for me. Which, yeah, I mean, I didn't think about that. She does create that space for me. So when, we, when I throw it out there, that space is then in turn created. Awesome. So if I can put some words to you. Yeah. 
is that she, that she is she is respecting your leadership when you do initiate it. Correct. Amen. That's so great. Amen. The rest of you. Uh, Anything you want to add? I would like to add. Communicate, <laughs> darling. Take the lead. Let, let, me, let me say something that's vital in any discussion like this. Carol will bear me out that about 80% of my ministry is ministering to men. And, and working with men who are insecure, who are broken, who are wounded. Most men, when it comes to growing up with a single parent, it's usually you grew up fatherless. So a lot of men don't have a role model. A lot of men grow up insecure where there's been abuse around them, etc. So a lot of men come into marriage not whole, uh, insecure. Sometimes they, they feel like they have to defend themselves. And so when it comes to communication, it's different when you have a whole, mature person who's had a really good role model. And it took me a long time for me to get healed to the point where I could communicate properly. Uh, initially, if Carol disagreed with me, I felt like I was being attacked. And so for many men, part of communicating healthily is getting healthy. Part of it is actually saying, if my wife is triggering things in my heart, it means there's things in my heart that are getting triggered. And I believe that is very important because communication, we've got to understand, is we're not attacking each other. We're on the same team. When a captain says to someone, I think we need to play like this, whether the other person on the team says they agree or not, they choose to work together for the sake of the team. And I had to learn that when Carol raises things with me, she's not attacking me. She's not saying I'm bad, but that's what I grew up under. And that was my initial response every time. So it made communication very difficult. But I would say that creating a communication environment is helping one another to think like mature adults in communication. And finding out, uh, for men, we are often intimidated by women's emotions. So when men communicate, if you watch men communicating, it's, you know, good game. You know, didn't you think that they really should have passed at that time? Women, when they communicate together, you put them at a table. It's like, and then he said that, and, and it just hurt me so much. I felt so wounded. I felt abandoned, in fact, and it just cut me so deeply. It reminded me of when I was 11. And, and so, you know, women live in an emotional, deep, transparent space far more than men. And so I think that when it comes to communication, ladies, you have to help your man to enter into the world of deep communication often. Men just don't grow up in that. And so sometimes men, in order to have that communication space, need a wife who is going to help them, draw them in, and, and develop a space where the two of you are recognizing when there's triggers, there's things in our own hearts we have to fix. I need to listen. I'd say communication really is listening for what the other person is saying, respecting what they have to say, thinking about what they have to say, and not just jump into an emotional conclusion. Hold your emotions back and do what's best for the team. So great. Thank you, darling. Um, Martin, do you have anything to add to this? Uh, I think one of the biggest mistakes we make as men when it comes to communicating, and particularly if we feel like we've been dishonored, is to withdraw. So at times, the way that we, we communicate is by actually withdrawing. You know? So I think we actually need to grow to a point where you know, from a point of love, obviously, but to, to be able to, to confront. I mean, there's a friend of mine here, Puti, standing there. He's taught me quite a bit about that, you know. My initial response, oftentimes, when I disagree or when I've been hurt, I tend to withdraw. But I think that's pr probably something that, I think other men are probably struggling with the same issue. That's something we definitely need to address. Great, Great stuff. Awesome.
And Mike, maybe you could, uh, could address that. What do you do to not withdraw? So if, if um, a conversation gets to the point where you feel the temptation to withdraw, what do you do? See, uh, I grew up in a very big family of men, um, and I'm the last born of all of them. Uh, so they were stronger than me. They could easily beat me up. So um, withdrawing was, was the easiest thing I could do. Uh, just It's my big brother. I was just too quiet. Um, but then what I would do is I would go to school. I would fight a lot. Uh, so if I'm, you know, if, if, if you annoy me because I can't keep quiet, I'll just punch you. Um, so... <laughs> Our staff so, meetings are very interesting, Mark. I've changed. No, no, he, he grew out of it. He grew out of it. <laughs> but, but seriously, um, you know, I, I would fight, and, and that's the way that we would... Because I would get so annoyed, and I would run out of words, and I would not be able to confront you. And if I, if I withdraw from you, you would think I'm weak. And tomorrow when I see you, you would think, you know, I'm a coward. So we have to fight, and then I can prove to you that I'm strong. So what I do now is I'm learning to engage more. Um, because my wife knows me quite well, and she knows when I'm sulking and when I'm... <laughs> When I'm, when, oh, she does. Oh, she does. She knows when I'm withdrawing because I just don't want to engage um, in this thing. And she would, are you okay? No, I know you're not okay. You know what we talked about yesterday? Can we talk about it again? And so, and she helps me to engage and, and talk. more. Obviously, I can't fight with her. So, I have to talk <laughs> and, and talk. <laughs> Well done, Mike. All, the, all that mentorship is paying off. We, we're happy about that. Um, so as I was doing research for today, I, I found a lot of articles that talked about how uh, men enjoy having fun with their wives. They enjoy an adventure together and they enjoy doing, having a companion to do fun things with them. So I was determined to be a better wife. And to be more fun. So I did go to Andrew and said, I'm determined to be a uh, more fun companion. So I suggested bungee jumping, skydiving. He went white and said, no, I like the unfun Carol better. <laughs> no. So what I want to ask you men is um, if you could, just in a practical way, if you could just let us know what are some of the fun things that you get to do with your wife. What, what creates that sense of camaraderie and connectedness for you personally in your relationships? Martin, if you've got something that you think would create that, you've, you're welcome to share that. Okay, so whoever wants to go, you're on. Awesome, I'll go first. Um, yesterday... This is a recent one. I was uh, watching soccer, as I enjoy doing on weekends. <laughs> and uh, my wife made a comment um, on, I think something happened during the game, and she made a comment. I was so surprised that she knew something about soccer. <laughs> and, uh, and so I even questioned, I said, hey, you know, what is this? You know, I grew up with brothers, so I know something about soccer. Um, and, and then we, we sat down, I continued enjoying my game. For me, that, that was so special that I know she doesn't like it. In fact, at one point, we had to make a soccer calendar of when I watch soccer and when I don't watch soccer. <laughs> you know? Because I was watching it a little bit too much, you know? Uh, 
And so, sorry, where was I? <laughs> I was watching a little bit too much soccer. So you, then, enjoy, you enjoy, you know that she doesn't like it, and you enjoy when she makes the thank effort. You, thank you for reminding me. So I enjoy it when I see her enjoying something. I know that she's enjoying this because of me, and she's sitting there and just watching soccer with me. That is so fun for me. It's good. So great, Mike. Good. Yeah, give him a hand. Give yeah. Bianca a hand. Yeah, well done, B. You know, uh, you quickly find that every person likes different things and enjoys different things. Different things make the other person happy. And so when you read generalizations, men are like this, women are like that. Some women are more sporty than men. Some women prefer rugby to some men, you know. And, but what it is, is finding out what are the things I enjoy doing. I always want my wife to be a part of that. And there's a give and take to where I need to find out what does my wife enjoy doing, and I want to be a part of that. And you find that you actually are very happy when you are being happy with someone else's love. And passion. And, you know, for instance, in our early marriage, I loved working on cars. In fact, I grew up in a family where every weekend we just pulled the cars apart for fun, you know. <laughs> Remove the bearings, wash them in petrol, grease them, put them back. That was a good day. And, and so, <laughs> Isaiah knows what I'm talking about. So, so, when we got married, Carol came into the marriage with this old Beetle, Volkswagen Beetle. And I loved working on that thing. And so, we had just moved into our new home, and it was a Saturday, and we weren't that busy. And I said to Carol, why don't you come? We'll bring a little chair out there, and you can come and be with me while I work on the car. For me, that was... improved that, since then, I'll say. Yeah. That, was, that was like, I want a wife who likes working on cars with me. She, she does not like working on cars. I... I learned that the very first day. I've never asked her to work on a car with me since. But there are many other things that we learn to enjoy. So there's some things that I enjoy, for instance, watching movies. Carol doesn't. But she will force herself to watch a movie with me every now and then just so that I'm happy. But Carol enjoys outdoors things. Carol enjoys doing things where, you know, you, you, you're having adventures. I think we both like adventures. So when it comes to adventurous things, it means like when we have our date day, I'm going to go look for places that are more outdoors for our date than an indoors restaurant in a mall, for instance. And so finding out what the other likes actually makes both of you happy. But I think in terms of working with one another on enjoying things together does mean I have to hold back on some of the things I enjoy to make sure I'm doing enough with my wife as well. And we planted a few churches together. Yeah, that well, was pretty yeah. fun. We actually both love planting churches. So... Um, <laughs> Uh, th th we, we learned to do that together. Oh, awesome. Um, Kun, have you, have you gone? Not yet. Uh, probably the most uh, amazing honeymoon any man can get <laughs> was um, we, we, we flew out of Johannesburg on the Sunday morning and uh, landed in Paris. And it sounds romantic, hey, guys? But then flew into Nice, hired a car, and followed the Tour de France for 1,000 kilometers. <laughs> And, um, yeah. I mean, if that's not a supportive wife right there. Yeah. And, but we, we, just, we had an incredible time. It was, um, you know, we, we got to spend time in probably the most beautiful country in the world. And Gina did get dinner on the Eiffel Tower. That was oh, the, you, so you. it was, okay, I'll go, I'll, I'll, I'll drive through France, watching many Lycra, but I, I, I wanted dinner on the Eiffel Tower. And we did that, and what an amazing time. We, we yeah. built incredible memories and Felt like it was yesterday. But, and, and sorry, just to end there, as Andrew was saying it now, 
I think the, probably the most rewarding thing in my marriage at the moment is um, that Jean and I can share um, the ministry together and 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 work in the ministry together and 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 build something. And I mean that is that yeah. is just uh, besides holidays and that sort of thing. That is incredibly rewarding. So great, so great. Well done, Kun. Kun's the only man I know who also has a monthly cycle. Actually, no. You have a daily cycle, Bro, don't I've you, I've never bro? heard that. <laughs> you, you know that it's never dull in my house. You know that. You know that. <laughs> Look, when we talk about what men want, you've got to follow your wife's monthly cycle. Just, just letting you know. Martin, can you recover enough from that to tell us something? Oh, yeah. No, so, for me, if God is pleased with me, she'll support us now, you know, Barcelona and Orlando Pirates. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I think for me, I mean, my, my love language is obviously quality time. I would really love to have someone who can actually engage me quite a bit there. And also, I love ministry. So, you know, if I can... Find my Priscilla. That would be awesome. That's so great. That's so great. Um, I just have to check what question I, I'm on. What I, what I would like to do is I would actually just like to, like, uh, to answer Martin. Ugh, sorry. To ask Martin a question. And um, that goes alongside. You said something, um, I think it was last week, that we need to cultivate a heart that finds godliness attractive. And I found that was such a profound statement for men. But um, as a man who is cultivating a heart that finds godliness attractive, what kind of things are you looking for in a prospective marriage partner? All right. I think, as, as, as I've said, obviously, you know, a person must have a relationship with Christ practically and personally. But also, for me, one thing that I really would love is someone who loves people. You know, um, yeah, it would be a nightmare if I married someone who does not care about people for <laughs> anything. And also, obviously, you know, values the same things that I value. Uh, I mean, particularly issues around purpose. I think I'm becoming more aware that, you know, I need to find a suitable helper in the, in the sense of, like, is this person connected to my purpose? So for me, ministry is a big deal. Okay. So that's definitely something I would really look into as well. And the rest of you married men, as you, as you were pursuing your wives, what kind of things were you looking for? What, what made her the one for you? Wow, she's good looking. Uh, the, <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, <laughs> the, um, <laughs> besides that. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Martin mentioned um, Proverbs 31 earlier on in the, in the discussion. Um, Proverbs 31 verse 30 is very profound for me. Uh, it says that, that um, charm is deceitful and beauty is fading, uh, but a woman who fears God, she will be praised. And I think for me, I'm looking for or was looking for somebody who has the fear of God uh, because the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. And we know that the Bible says that the house is built by wisdom. And so someone who has the fear of God gives me the surety that we can build a godly house. Uh, and so 
I wasn't really looking for other things. I was just looking, does this person fear God? And if they do, I'm fine. So great. So great. Well done for fearing God, Bianca. <laughs> Kun. Yeah, back in the days when I met Gina many, many moons ago, Gina was in Standard 8, in fact. And um, I, was, I, was, uh, I was in Standard 9 back then. And um, really there was, um, you know, this was, this was very BC for me. But there was... As churchy folk go, man, this person walked into the room and there was really something different about them. That's how I felt about Gina. You know, besides her beauty, there was something different about her and incredibly captivated by the way her family did things. And meeting Gina's mom, um, most men are petrified of their mother-in-laws. In fact, I have the greatest relationship. I've, she's as close as a mother as, as anyone can get. But... Her example um, and her walk with, with the Lord was just, uh, just an incredible example for me. And obviously, Gina, being grown up in a home like that, just really, there was this, I mean, I wanted this. This is something I really, you know. And as the years have gone past, when I look back, when I look back at that, I'm just so grateful, you know, that uh, that family, you know, looked at me as a, you know, snot cop kid, you know, that that really I didn't feel that I had value, but they could see value in me. Yeah, give him a hand. Thank you. Yeah. Give that family a hand, really. Yeah. Good job there. Darling. You know, the thing that attracted me to Carol was her passion for Jesus. And I think that I always knew that I wanted to be in ministry and plant churches. And I always knew I was not going to be an analytical chemist because labs are boring. Um, <laughs> But Carol was not boring. Carol loved adventure, and she loved Jesus. I think if you find someone who is so passionate about Jesus, everything else will fit into place. I, I do think that our paternalistic culture tells us that men want a woman who's going to just be submissive and serve the man. Actually, most men are looking for someone who's going to be like iron sharpening iron, someone who's going to compliment, someone who's going to be on an equal footing, someone we can have great intellectual conversation with. Great conversation on the same levels. And so what I found in Carol was uh, a person that made me feel good when we had desires in the same areas. We both wanted to plant churches. We both had a desire for intellectual stimulus. And we both knew we weren't going to be scientists the rest of our lives. But there was something about her passion for Jesus and her extremely good looks that, um, that, that drew me. That, that drew me to her. Well but done, I, I, I think, men, right you answer. should be attracted to the passion for Jesus as the, primary, uh, as the primary desire. The last thing a man wants is a woman where you are her world, and she sees you as her source, and you must be her emotional provision, etc. Might make you feel good for a while, but that is really not what's good for you. Fantastic. Please give him a hand. I'm giving him a hand. It's great. Thank you, darling. Thank you, darling. Um, the, the last question I want to ask um, has a little bit of a PG rating on it. So I'm going to invite any parents Please who leave. have children who, who could be influenced or, or be confused by it. If they don't understand, then don't worry, they can stay. But if they can be influenced by it, please feel free to take them out now. But the last question I want to ask is, um, for all of you, is what do you feel... Or what place do you feel sexual intimacy holds in your relationship with your wife? Anne. 
27 years. All right, so experience goes first, eh? You know, I think that um, what I said last week, when you consider fire is a great source of heat, electricity provides for us all these amazing things, that if you take it out of the place where it's meant to be, it can kill you. Sexual intimacy outside of marriage can kill you. It can destroy your soul. It can cause you to be incredibly fractured and broken when you do get married. But God designed physical sexual intimacy to actually be what divides marriage from not marriage, right? It's the physical. And so when it comes to physical intimacy in marriage, there have been a number of studies showing that keeping up that physical desire and intimacy in the home actually settles a whole lot of petty issues that you would have had to argue about. So, men, there are, you know, ways of getting around these things. But I believe that with sexual intimacy in the marriage, it has to be something that is not just the wife says, okay, well, you can have it because you need it. Men want to know that there is a mutual passion, a mutual desire, and sometimes men have to create that. We've got a book called Sex Begins in the Kitchen. And, and it's, you know, I know your minds are going to the kitchen, but what, what that really means is when you meet each other in the morning doing breakfast together, that is how you actually start the intimacy process. Physical intimacy will be rewarding and blessed and intimate if I'm constantly speaking her love language, edifying her, doing what makes her feel loved, and then we find that that sexual intimacy becomes very, very special. And it's not just about having the physical because actually it's a soul thing. And that's what Paul talks about so much in Corinthians is that physical intimacy is a matter of the soul. And so when your souls are united and your souls are one, that is the most fulfilling. And it's been proven that married people have the best sex. Numerous studies, not just from Christians. Great stuff. Great stuff. Um, Martin, do you, do you want to add to this or you? Yeah, I can't wait. Okay. <laughs> Great answer, great answer. Kun, I'm going to let you go and then I'll let Mike finish. Um, the, um, look, to answer the, the question it's very simply, yes, we place a very um, high value on, on that area of our marriage. And as I alluded to earlier, again, this area is an area which we communicate on. I feel that families tend to neglect this sort of area. As Andrew said, look, I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to give it to you, and that's it, and, and it's, it's done with. But for me, there's process around it. I think um, the process around where it starts in the kitchen, we place very high value on in our family. And again, Gina mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, where we're all in seasons, we're all different, but as a family, we grow together. We, we understand, we go to that place. It's not an uncomfortable place for us. It's a place where we can communicate again. It's a place where we can be open about it. It's a place where we can discuss it. And it's not hidden away. And it's just, you know, no, we can't talk about it. We talk about it. So we place high value on it. Wonderful. Yeah. Wonderful, Mike. Um, I'll speak uh, <laughs> this way. All right. Because um, I wanted to say something else. But... Um, just to reiterate what Kuhn and Pastor Andrew have said in terms of intimacy. And um, for myself and for many other guys that, that I engage and speak to, guys 
want intimacy, not just sex. Um, and, and, and intimacy is more than, than just sex. And I think sometimes you hear things like, you know, because he wanted, I'll just give it to him. Yeah. And I think you don't want to be making love to a robot. It's like oh, somebody yeah. who's yes. just, you know, you want, you want mutual engagement. Um, so that's very important. And also part of, part of starting in the kitchen for me is a sense of respect. Uh, and what does that look like? For me, it looks like a sense of admiration and honor. When I feel like my wife admires me and honors me, and it's not always in words, but it's just an attitude. And you can tell when someone has an attitude of honor and admiration towards you, and that draws me close to her, and I feel more intimate with her. And so that's, that's very important. But also, uh, the lack of sex in, in a marriage uh, heightens our senses and we become more aware of things outside the marriage. Um, and I've noticed that for me, and I've noticed that for many other guys that I speak with. If, if, if there is a conflict in the marriage that drags for too long, then there isn't sexual intimacy. Your, your sense of seeing becomes more heightened. Obviously, we have a responsibility before God to fear God, regardless of what our wives do or whatever happens in the marriage. So the fear of God is upon us. But uh, there is a sense of, I become more aware of what's around me when when the conflict drags on for too long. So great. Thank you, Mike. I'm going to give you each a, a very short closing comment. If there's something that you feel like you haven't said or and would like to say or you would just like to reiterate a point that you'd said earlier, um, Mike, you begin. I just want to go back to the first question that you asked about uh, the man being the head of the home. I know that... that that question has been a controversial question in some circles. I just want to say this, that leadership is both a privilege, but it's also a responsibility. And the privilege side of it, we enjoy. It's nice. You feel like you're the man. But the responsibility side of it is that God is going to hold you to account of the leadership that he's given you. And that is big for us. And I think um, understanding that I have the responsibility to lead this home and the person who's going to ultimately hold me accountable is God. And, and that is, is very, very big. And so I want to say that um, give us the, the, the space to lead and have the faith in the God who's given us that position that, that God ultimately is going to hold us accountable and, and that God is not going to, you know, let us go just wild without holding us accountable to the responsibility of leadership that is placed on us. So great. Thank you, Mike. Quinn. I said it earlier, and um, Bernard Swanepoel was on the panel earlier, and uh, what a privilege it was, was for me to be on the same panel as the Bernard Swanepoel. But really thinking about it and in context, it, it is that the Lord has given me an ability to be a dad, a father, a husband. And I look at Andrew, Mike, men in this church as an example of, of what that picture looks like. And it, it gives me a sense of, of enormous responsibility that I have to my family, to my wife and to my kids, and I said it earlier, and as that, as we put those pillars in place and those foundations, we start adding value to our community, to our city, etc. So great. How about you, Martin? Um, <laughs> so I would say, you know, the Bible obviously says that you know husbands ought to love their wives as Christ loved the church. In other words, Christ is the standard. And I think oftentimes we also look, we overlook to See the other side. You know, the Bible calls women helpers. And, you know, 
the Holy Spirit is also referred to as a helper. So in other words, all of us are called to emulate deity. In essence, what I'm saying is that this thing requires God himself. So it's not just your own thing. You need God, you need the Holy Spirit to actually help you cultivate proper manhood. I, I, would, um, I would say that what I've seen in counseling men is that culture versus creation is a big one. What did God create us for versus what does culture say to you? The culture is telling men to want things that God doesn't want them to want. And so a lot of men think that what they want is what they want. But the truth of the matter is the question we as men have to be asking is, God, what do you want me to want? God, put your desires in my heart. And so you have a lot of men who just believe sex is my right and I, you know, I just want sex. Truth of the matter is, deep down in any man's soul, they want intimacy. They want passion with, with someone who they can be equals to. And I believe that it's our responsibility as men to get whole, to ask God to heal the places in our soul where we have wrong desires because of our upbringing or wrong desires because of our culture, and to ask Him to put in our souls the desires of His heart. And if it's love your wife as Christ loves the church, then Jesus loves the church and wants things from the church that we need to learn from and say, Jesus, give me those desires for my wife as well. I want to want a wife who's like this. I want to want to do the things that Jesus wants me to do. And as you start doing those things, even though it's sometimes counterculture and doesn't come naturally, it brings the most incredible rewards and it's self-fulfilling. So it ends up, uh, what's the word, uh, reinforcing that these are the things that are good for you. Church, can we give them a hand? Thank you, great men. That was absolutely eye-opening and helpful. You may take your seats or you must sit here, whichever. If you want to just look great for the congregation, that's awesome. <laughs> but I, I, want to, I want to close in this. I want to pray for every married person here. So if you're married, I'm going to ask you to stand. I feel like, I feel like God wants to solidify something significant in your marriage. So, Father, we just, we just reach out our hands to these, and we just pray for increased um, desire, love, passion in these homes, Lord God. We just pray, Lord God, that, that every um, part of their hearts would become satisfied in this marriage, Lord God. We ask for a protection around them, Lord God, and we ask that you would cause them to, to meet hearts at a very intimate and deep level, that you would cause them to know each other. And Lord God, we ask that you would invade these marriages with your presence, with your truth, with your love, with your desires, as Andrew put it, Lord God. And all of God's people said, amen and amen. And then I pray for all the people sitting. I just ask, Lord God, that you would give them a partner that just satisfies their hearts, Lord God. Father God, we ask that their dreams would come true, Lord God, that, the, that that one that they are longing for would come along their way. And Lord God, you would open up opportunities for them to marry the person that you have destined and that they would have great and divine marriages. And